Thank you, ladies. Good preparation for Thanksgiving. Amen. Gather together like that hymn. All right, grab your Bibles. Join me, will, will you, in Hebrews chapter number 11. Looking forward to getting back in our Bible study. If you have an outline, I encourage you to get that out if you need one. Brother Ron's coming down the, the middle aisle, and so if you need an outline, please get his attention. And uh, we'd love for you to follow along. Not a long study tonight and anticipating the videos and everything else. Tried to keep it short for tonight. And uh, but getting us back in here in the Hebrews chapter number 11. It's exciting. And as we've had the buildup to this chapter, and I think the Holy Spirit has very much brought everything into focus. It's really uh, taken a broad focus, Jesus Christ, superior and uh, supremacy, superiority and supremacy. He's presented that. Now he's drawing it uh, from a broad perspective to a very finite perspective of faith. Really uh, coming down to now these last few chapters. All right, so if we've trusted in Christ, we, we believe that he is superior, he is supreme, he is, he is the Messiah, he is the deliverer, he is the redeemer. As we believe that, now then we move on living by faith. That's literally how chapter 10 there ended, as verse 38 states it really. And so those who have been justified in Christ, you've trusted in Christ, you've been justified, you've gained his righteousness instead of your filthy rags, you are justified, now the just shall live by faith in God. And so that's really what we see this expounds upon. And so we said going into chapter 11, there really those two questions there, didn't we? You remember two weeks ago, why make such a big deal about faith? Well, faith is vital to the Christian life. If you don't have faith, you're not going to excel. The, the Christian life will not be non-existent, right? We said this, letter A, faith is now is how this Christian life begins. And we won't go over all those verses we looked at, but re, uh, suffice it to say, our personal relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, is established by faith, putting our faith and trust in Him. And don't let it ever grow old that the way you establish your relationship with Jesus Christ is by faith alone. You did nothing. You could offer nothing. You didn't have to jump through hoops. You didn't have to be a lifetime member of anything. You didn't have to give dues for the entirety of your life. All you had to do was put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It, it, that's all it takes. And I, I love that truth, and may it never grow old for us. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 gave us, gave us verse, uh, letter B, doesn't it? Christian life is lived in continual faith, ongoing, daily faith. Paul is now challenging us to take something we know very well from the spiritual realm or the physical realm into the spiritual realm. Uh, we noted last time that faith is not a foreign concept to any human who's ever lived. We, we made the statement, uh, it, it bears us to do it again. We cannot live a day physically in our lives apart from faith. You have faith in everything, things that you do, things that you use, things that you sit on, lie on, whatever the case may be. You have faith in those things and the physical life that we live. It, it can be described even those words we find in Hebrews 11. It's by faith, things we do every day by faith. Um, you flipped on a light switch. You had faith that it was going to turn on the light and uh, such. Now, I heard today that a lot of Saginaw didn't have that power. They got lost power. But nonetheless, you, you had faith and hope that when you hit that light switch, power was going to come on and so forth. You see, the physical life we now live, we live by faith. Faith in the seen, faith in the unseen, faith in people you see. I, I, you've seen a doctor this week. You've seen a dentist like me this week. You, you have faith in those people that they're going to do something, you know, and you, you hope they do it right. You have faith in people you don't see, the engineers of your vehicle, those who put it together, furniture and so forth. We talked about that. Then that brought us to something that certainly Paul, the, the author here, is hitting upon is this. Faith is only as good as its object. 
Faith is only as good as its object, okay? Um, uh, having faith in something uh, is only as good as the object of that faith. For you and I, we readily admit the object of our faith is God. That's why it makes, what makes our faith so powerful and so good. Um, we said in the spiritual realm, the object of our faith is, is not varied. It's simply Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. In salvation, it is He and His provision that is the object of my faith. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ and what He did upon the cross, what He provided for me. In that sense, we said what? It is exclusive. Uh, there is nothing, uh, absolute no room for anything else or anyone else to be the object of our faith for salvation. And I like the statement that we, we tie in. It's Christ's work alone that is the power of salvation. It's the power of salvation. Uh, it, it is what enables us, the power behind it. And we, I love that verse in John chapter 1 and verse 12. But as many as received him, that's faith, you're trusting him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe there's faith in his name. So have received him, put their faith and trust in him, and that is the power uh, of salvation, right? Secondly, though, we also say once we do that, then we are called to daily walk in faith, right? And then our faith, the object of it is Jesus Christ and his promises. In salvation, it's his provision in Jesus Christ. In sanctification, in walking daily by faith, it is Jesus Christ and his promises. Everything that we have in the word of God, it's that object. I love what Paul called us in Hebrews chapter 6. We have the heirs of promise. The heirs of promise. And uh, you and I are described as such. Faith in Christ and his promises they energizes us for the living the Christian life. It's the power source for our daily living. It's what keeps us going in obedience and faithfulness each and every day. And that's, that's exactly where Hebrews chapter 11 is going. Uh, helping us to understand why is faith such a big deal? Because if you're a Christian, it's all about faith. It's all about faith. Then as we understand that, the Holy Spirit obviously anticipated that, that second question. So what exactly is faith? What is it? And we said that this, going in here, beginning of chapter 11, and specifically the first few verses, whether you call it a definition or description, what it does is it reveals and declares faith for what it is. I love this introduction. Look again at verse number one. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, it's an interesting statement. Again, coming off the, the describing faith, and I, verse 39, he says, them that are believing to the saving of their souls. These are people of faith, and we are not of them that drew back. We are people of faith. Is literally what he says in verse 39. He says, hey, here's what faith is. Let me describe it. Let me show you what it is. And so letter A we saw last week where we kind of ended up was faith is the substance of things hoped for. Remember the meaning of the word substance? It literally means to be placed under placed under. And so the, the picture here is appropriate. Uh, we think of a house that has a basement, a slab, that foundation or support. And so literally the Holy Spirit is telling us that biblical faith is to the Christian life what a foundation is to a physical house. The house the Holy Spirit is building that is known as you, that, that God is building, has a foundation. That foundation is faith, just as a physical house has a foundation too. And so we, we said this word substance also means confidence or assurance and as we walk around our house, we, we, we'll go to sleep tonight, we live, we do so by the conviction that our foundation is sure. 
We looked at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and, and verse 19, which talks about the foundation of God standeth sure. And we said simply that word, such faith is anchored in the sure foundation of the promises and word of God. And no greater place to anchor it. No sure foundation. So therefore, if we have no sure foundation, then we have a confidence and assurance in our faith that what is promised will happen and will occur. Okay? We talked about the title deed and some other things. We won't go there. But we finished up with a statement last time. True biblical faith is obedience to God's word today in spite of current circumstances and consequences. And in light of confidence and conviction founded upon God's promises for the future. I love this statement. Read it again. True biblical faith is obedience to God's words today. It's in spite of circumstances and consequences, but it's in light of the confidence and the conviction founded upon God's promises in his word. And so we can enter every day by faith. How do you live by faith? You have conviction. You have assurance that God will keep his word. Do you believe tonight that God will keep his word? Do you believe tonight that God's going to do exactly what he has said he would do? That's what's described here, and that's what we see play out in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to add something to this topic before we move on. When we think of the Old Testament time, let's take a moment, let's think back, and certainly it plays out on the pages here in the verses of chapter 11. There's many stories from the Old Testament we'll look at as we get deeper into the chapter. But as we think about the Old Testament times, the saints then, too, had to rest on the promises of God. Well, from Adam and Eve all the way through, and certainly Abraham and Isaac and, and, and David, and you name it, they had to rest upon the promises of God, just like you and I do. In fact, in salvation, they had to rest upon the promise of the Messiah, all the way from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, all the way going to this promise of the Messiah, promise of a Redeemer given to them, someone who would take away sin. He also promised them that one day Israel as a nation would be made righteous and that that same Messiah would rule over them. Yet, as we think about the Old Testament and certainly many of the promises tied to these stories, we have to admit that the promises of the Old Testament were simple. They were vague. They were incomplete. They weren't as full as you and I have promises today. As we glance through God's Word, I, I don't know about you, but I sure am thankful that I can grab a verse out of God's Word, know exactly what it means, what God promises, and I can claim it for today. It's clear. It's obvious. And especially as we get into the New Testament, you and I get to hear the, the very words of Jesus Christ, things he, He's promised. And, and, and I know that there's some obscurity in Revelation and eschatology, but you know what? The main things are extremely clear what's going to happen in the future. And I'll tell you right now, we can go in the future without fear. We can go into it with excitement. Because we know exactly what's going to happen with the big things God has promised, what's going to play out. And they didn't have all that. Some of their promises were, were rather obscure, kind of vague, kind of simple in the, the, the facts they were given. In fact, I would put it this way. If we compared what was revealed to them to what you and I have in the New Testament, We'd have to readily agree that, that they did not have a great deal of specific light, of illumination. Not many details were given. But here's the key. They knew it was God's light that was given. They knew that it was God's word. And because of that, they put their full trust and faith in it. It's a great truth. As he gets in here and he's, he's explained it to you, faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
They didn't have the full picture sometimes of everything that they, God had promised, but they had enough. And they had realized that this was from God himself. And being from God, it was enough light for them to trust him fully. Uh, probably the, the great example of Abraham, right? Man, what a great example. Hardly knew and didn't know anything about this land that was promised. He's just trusting God. The light that he had, he, he trusted in it. And those promises were so real to them that they based their lives on them. As we'll read through this chapter, and boy, we see these people stepping out in faith, the, the term that we often use, stepping out. Of, man, they did that. They based their entire lives on it and life decisions, the substance of things hoped for. One has rightly made this statement that faith is living in a hope that is so real it gives absolute assurance. Can I tell you tonight, I've never seen heaven, but I sure am assured there is a place called heaven. And we have that hope of heaven, and it's based all upon God's word, and God is worthy to be trusted. Our faith rests upon it, as much as it did with these folks in the Old Testament and sins. They looked at life through the eye of faith, and when that faith is, when the object of that faith is God, it offers an immeasurably better vision than any physical eye could ever offer. Now, let's look at the rest of verse number one. Look there again. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love this terminology that we find here used in this part of the, the passage. It's the evidence of things. It's an interesting statement. Essentially, what the author is saying is this. Okay? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. He literally saying the word means proof. Proof. It's the proof, the evidence, okay? Now, let's just use an illustration tonight to kind of put it in terms of how I think it's being used. And again, this also lends for me more credence to Paul writing Hebrews. I think he loves the lawyer terminology and usage of arguments and such. Well, let's say tonight you were involved in a court case. Let's say it was about a car accident. And the court case was to determine who was at fault, okay? Facetious, hypothetical, of course. And you needed to prove your case, or to win that case, you, you needed to prove it, okay? And so what you would do, you'd bring evidence to the court that proved your innocence. We understand the term evidence. The evidence then in turn would be used to show a jury and a judge and or who were not present when the car accident happened, okay? So think of it, illustration. You're in a car accident, and uh, they decided to have some kind of court case to determine who was at fault. The jury wasn't there. The judge wasn't at the, the car accident. And so you would bring evidence, whatever that may be. Maybe you found some videotape, whoever, whatever, and uh, uh, information from your uh, car's computer or whatever. But you bring evidence, right, okay? Uh, you're trying to show them, prove to them who were not there what exactly happened. In other words, show them what you believe and know to happen. So we, we see the terminology here. The same is true of faith. Faith is that evidence uh, of the things that are not seen. Um, literally, um, if we think of the judge and the jury, they would only have the evidence that you bring to go on. It'd be the only basis to make their decision. Well, that is faith for you and I. Faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. Have you seen Jesus Christ, your Savior? Well, the answer is no, okay? Have you seen heaven? Have you walked the streets of gold? Well, the answer is no. And we could go on. Many other things promised by our God that we have not laid eyes on. See, some say the word here also implies the idea 
of conviction. A conviction of belief. And it goes right along with what we've seen already with the word substance. What does that mean? Well, tie it together in the meaning of the word evidence. It literally means this thought. It is, it is the idea what one is assuredly convinced of, he is committed to obeying by faith. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith in itself is the very evidence of the thing that is hoped for. It is the very evidence of the thing not visible, not seen. Faith itself becomes that conviction that moves us, that helps us to be committed to obeying. It's a good statement the the author here makes, literally. It's what one is assuredly convinced of, he is committed to obeying by faith. I don't think there's a better example, or at least one of the best examples of this is found in the chapter, certainly here. It's Noah. Noah's a textbook example, isn't he, of it? Think about it with me, okay? Had he ever seen rain before? Well, no. He'd never seen rain. And yet God told him what? It's going to rain a lot, more than today. It's going to rain a lot. He also told... uh, he also told him what? There's going to be a flood like you've never seen before. It's going to cover the entire earth, Noah. I don't know what kind of flood Noah's ever seen, if he'd ever seen a flood, but he'd certainly never seen a flood to this degree. He'd never seen it to this extent. He'd never seen a flood that covered the entire earth. Yet God came along and God told him, number one, it's going to rain. You've never seen rain? Trust me, it's going to rain. Number two, it's going to be a flood that encompasses the entire earth. You've never seen a flood like that before, Noah, but it's going to happen. And then number three, he says, Noah, guess what? You have a new occupation. You're going to be a boat builder. You know, the likelihood is Noah has probably never built a boat. But if he has, if he has built a boat, he's never built anything like the ark. Wouldn't we agree on that? Okay. He had lived long enough to build multiple arks, okay, as long as it took him to build this one. So so we understand, okay, that no rain, no flood, never seen an ark before, never understood it. Maybe he's never built built a boat before. And yet, and yet, he had the assurance of being convinced. So what did he do? For 120 years, Noah committed himself to obeying the Word of God. To obeying it. 120 years. And I love the statement here. You know, the fact is, there is no visible, tangible evidence. You know what some of us would have been like? Okay, God, if it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, just show me for one night, then I'll believe you it's going to happen down the road. Just show me, send me a picture. Just give me an idea what the flood's going to look like. And I don't know about you, but wouldn't you like to have seen back in that day a blueprint of the ark before you start building it? God didn't get that. He just says, here's how you're going to do it. And says, put this together, this together. This. I mean, there was no picture. I don't know about you, but I look, like looking at the picture of the end product, amen, and seeing it on the outside of the box. Well, that's what it's supposed to look like, Okay. No, it didn't have any of that. There's no visible, tangible evidence. There is nothing, don't miss it, there is nothing that Noah could point out. See, that, that's why I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Not at all. You know what he had? He had faith. He had faith in God, and it was the evidence of the things hoped for. It was the evidence of the things not seen. He'd never seen rain. He'd never seen a flood. He'd never seen an ark. His faith was the evidence of it. And so you know what he did? As that faith was based upon the word of God, not what he saw with his eyes, he he preached for 120 years in faith. He hoped in faith for 120 years. He built in faith in preparation for what God would say would happen. Now, I couldn't help but thinking as I was preparing this message, you know, 
120 years. How many are 120 years old? Oh, wow, no one. Surprise. No, don't point at him, okay? No one's 120 years old, right? So we had, but, but that's how long. And I understand in, in proportion to life expectancy, that time is over. But understand this. He did it for 120 years. Can I ask you right now, what are you and I supposed to, or expected, or asked to walk in faith for how long? Three score and ten years? Or however long we live this life? To do what Noah did? Just walk by faith? Trusting in God and His Word and His promises and all that He said? I've often thought, and forgive me if it's juvenile, but I've often thought what a moment it must have been when Noah saw the first raindrop. Man, I think it'll liken somewhat to when you and I first see heaven. When faith becomes sight. And what would that have been like for Noah? First raindrops fall like, it's happening, it's real. I, I knew it was, but man, it's nice to get that confirmation. What a moment. And yet, as we discussed before, Faith is not foreign to any of us. You see what all of these show, and I love this truth. These people in Hebrews chapter 11 are flesh and blood, just like you and I. You know what it shows? That we have the capacity for faith. In the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, we have the capacity in us, both realms, to have such faith. In fact, we too can exercise this kind of spiritual faith in our own lives. That's literally why Hebrews 11 is here. It's not for you and I to just sit back and gaggle at it and, oh, wow, what great saints. No, it's a challenge to you and I to have the exact same faith, faith that, that is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're supposed to have that kind of faith. We're supposed to demonstrate it. We are called to join this list, too, of saints who live by faith, and that's really the point of the next verse, isn't it? Look at verse number 2. That's what verse 2 says. We're just moving right along. We'll, done, we'll be done by Hebrews 11 and twenty twenty six. Amen? Verse 2. For by it the elders obtained a good report. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Let's put it this. Let us see. Let me uh, explain why we use this terminology. And so, faith is witnessed to by those who have obtained a good report. Faith is witnessed to by those who obtained a good report. I like this aspect, and you don't often see it in verses 1, 2, and 3, and yet he's showing this. He's saying, okay, those who've gone on before you who have obtained a good report, they're, they're witnesses to this. In fact, you remember how he characterizes it in Hebrews, or them, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1? Remember how he describes the entire group listed in Hebrews chapter 11? Look at chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. A cloud of witnesses. I like that description. Right? He's telling us they are a great cloud of witnesses. Now, let's go back to our illustration. Okay? Let's go back to our court case, if we can have it this way, and uh, the evidence that you have presented. Let's say that on the day that that car accident occurred, you had a friend who was in the car behind you, and they were following you at the time, and they saw the whole accident. So you brought that friend to the, the court so they can testify as a witness to share what they saw, what they know happened. Literally, they give evidence. They, they give a testimony to substantiate what you hold as a conviction that the accident wasn't your fault. And that's where verse number two comes in. He says, these elders that obtained a good report, they're like witnesses. 
Now, it's interesting. The Greek word that's translated as obtained a good report is used throughout this chapter. It's used in verse 4. It's used in verse 5. It's also used in verse 39. And honestly, a form of it is used in chapter 12 and verse 1 where we just read a cloud of witnesses. Okay? So this obtained a good report. Look with me. Let's read verse number 4. Let's see if we can notice the word that is translated into English, the same Greek word. Notice uh, verse number 4 of chapter 11. That's what it says. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. All right, go out on a limb. What word do you think it is? Verse number four. What word do you think is the same Greek word? Witness. That's exactly right. Okay. Oops, excuse me. Go back one more or go up one more. Okay. It is witness, right? Witness. Okay. So those that obtained a good report. Same Greek word literally means witness. Look at verse number five. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him before his, uh, uh, before his translation. Excuse me. He had this testimony that he pleased God. What word do you think there? Testimony, right? So you see these words all tied together. Same Greek word. And again, as we know it, the Greek words can mean many different English words. And so it does. They obtained a good report. There's a testimony. They are a witness. I love that picture. If you jump down to verse 39, it's translated the same way. They obtained a good report. Okay? So we see it throughout. The authors use it. The Holy Spirit's using this word. There's two aspects to this witnessing. Okay, forgive me if I talk fast. I talk fast when I get excited. Okay, when I was coaching a, a, one of the soccer games this season, the referee was running by. And goes, man, you talk fast when you get excited. Like, yes, sir, I do. Okay, and uh, so forgive me, but I'm excited. I love this part because here's the thing. There's two aspects to this witnessing. Okay, number one, understand God is putting these before us in Hebrews chapter 11 to testify about them, if we could put it that way. He's giving a testimony through this chapter of these saints, and it's a good report. Literally, you know what God's saying? These people have done well. You and I are endeavoring to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, he's saying right here in this chapter, these people have done well. Do they sin? Yeah. We look at this list, and there's someone like, wow, how did they make the list? Because they showed faith. Oh, I'm sure they wish they showed it more consistently on, on a more continual basis. But the fact is, they're listed here. So he's saying, he's witnessing that they did well. God is giving testimony to that fact that they obtained a good report. How did they obtain it? Well, verse 2 tells us, and certainly the entire chapter, because many of the verses start with it, right? By faith. They had the spiritual commodity of faith. The spiritual commodity known as faith is what they had and demonstrated they lived by faith. And even this verse, verse 2, for by it, that's faith, the elders obtained a good report. Okay, literally, he's testifying, and I like this, he's testifying both to the existence and persistence of their faith. The existence and the persistence of their faith. One of the things I always think about when I read down through chapter 11, whether in my personal devotions or whatever the case may be, I think, man, God is testifying to the existence of their faith and the persistence of their faith. The things these people faced, the things these people went through, it, God is testifying to the persistence of their faith. And boy, we want to be found faithful as they're found faithful. We want to have that same testimony, that same good report that God would give of, uh, of us. And I love that truth. Now, on the other side of the truth, these people lined up before us today are witnesses for you and I. What are they witnessing about? 
They have lived by faith, and they've eventually experienced all that they hoped for by faith, all that they were assured of in God's promises. So today, they testify in the pages of God's holy word that living by faith is the only way to live. As their name appears there, you and I are like, man, these people are testifying, this is the only way to live. <laughs> you want to have success, you, wanna, you want God to bless, you want to see and achieve everything that, uh, that, that you have, God has promised, live by faith, live by faith. Their very presence within this chapter, within this book, demonstrates the reality that they're testifying to the only way to live is by faith in Jesus Christ. Their example, shall we say, it makes it clear that faith is a very practical thing. What I love about many of the stories here in Hebrews chapter 11, yeah, there's some big things, but there's also just some simple things of obedience that these people did in faith, an offering of a sacrifice, uh, uh, following God in this or doing this, and just, just taking God at His word. Um, it, it's practical. You see, I like this statement. It is faith that enables us to understand what God does. Have you ever had somebody go through a tragedy? Have you ever had somebody go through a difficulty and they did not know God? They did not know Jesus Christ. And have they ever said this to you? I can't understand why God would do that. I can't understand why God would allow that. I can't understand. What can I tell you? What we're saying with that very statement is simply this. I don't have the faith to know that God does everything good for our good and his glory so instead of saying i don't understand there may be aspects to it we may not know the end goal but i do know this i understand that my god does everything for good and for his glory so faith helps us to understand it enables us Again, we may not have the full picture. Many of those in the Old Testament didn't have all the details to it. If you'd ask some of the Old Testament saints, tell me about Jesus Christ, they probably didn't know much. Many of them would just say, well, I just know God has promised a Redeemer. But can I tell you, as they put their faith and trust in the reality of a Redeemer that God was going to send to pay the penalty for their sins, can I tell you, they were saved in the Old Testament like you and I are saved today, looking back with all the light that we have about Jesus Christ. The knowledge and the understanding. Faith enables us to understand God, understand what he does. Number two, faith also enables us to see what others cannot see. Could we go through the myriad of stories that, that people's eyes were opened by faith in God and they could see what others could not see by faith? That eye of faith we talked about a moment ago. It enables us to see what others cannot see. And then this is the, the practical aspect of it. It is faith that enables us to do what others cannot do. Or will not do. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered how many people made fun of Noah? Noah, what you doing? There goes crazy Noah. Did you hear him the other day talking about rain? <laughs> Who does he think he is? I mean, could you imagine what that would have been like? 120 years? A ton of years? Enables us to do what others cannot do. I like what J. Oswald Sanders said. He said this, Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. It's a good statement. You see, as we progress throughout this chapter and we look at the lives and experiences of these saints that have gone before us, it is as if 
when we jump into the verse, this is by, uh, by faith, Abel, by faith, Abraham. It is literally like Abraham and Abel. They're uh, coming up and they're taking the witness stand and they're, they're testifying. They're giving us a testimony. They're witnessing about, hey, faith in God, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's as if they are taking the witness stand and each one is giving their testimony about what it means to walk by faith. And God has already given the testimony that they have done well, that they have received a good report. So can I ask you tonight, what would God's report of you be tonight? Thus far in your life, would it be the same? Would God be able to say, hey, the, those members of Fostory Baptist Church, they've obtained a good report. How? By faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things is not seen. For by it, the elders have obtained a good report. Can he say, oh, the members up, you've, you've obtained a good report by faith are we living by faith are we living in that assured confidence that is committed to obedience assured confidence in god and his word that then permeates our living through obedience to all that he commands of us my friend can i just encourage you tonight at times it is difficult at times it seems hard but it is always good to live by faith god blesses it And we'll see it play out in this chapter here. I trust the remainder of this week, you and I will live by faith. Look forward next week. We'll get back into our study here in Hebrews chapter number 11. Gives a very practical example in in verse 3. I'm looking forward to getting to it. We'll get to it next week. Brother Cliff, you'll bring this prayer request up.